Hi, everybody. Thanks for tuning in uh, to another episode of the Use Guys in That podcast. I'm so excited because this is actually our 100th enumerated episode. So mazel tov to the, the 14 and a half of you that have stuck through <laughs> us, stuck with us, excuse me, through thick and thin. We have grown exponentially from four and a quarter to, you know, between 14 and a half and 15 and a third. So we appreciate uh, all of you for sticking with us. Before I continue on, shout out to our sponsor, GorseNexus.com, your one-stop shop location for all things counter-economics. If you're a free thinker, you went into crypto, uh, you know, supporting coffee business, custom knives, all that stuff. And our friends, uh, Brandon and Dag, uh, check them out at GorseNexus.com. So yet again, I am so delighted, and I mean this sincerely, uh, to invite our friend Ace back to the show. He's been on a couple of times already. The first time to talk about anarcho-frontierism, which was uh, an an unmitigated disaster for those who argued with him the first time around. It it created quite a sensation, uh, and I enjoyed every minute of it. Um, But we invite him back. I don't even think, like, if, if I was, like, I don't know, a bishop of some church, I would canonize you alive as being saint ace because we've heard this phrase over and over again no i'm not bullshitting we've heard this phrase over and over again oh this person has the patience of a saint sometimes people are being honest about that other times they're just saying that to be nice i'm talking about it literally because all fucking day long this man calmly logically discusses things with people who are literally filled with piss vinegar and misinformation (laughs) from minute one and watching the man at work is sincerely a pleasure for me but at the same time i'm looking at him like how do you not have an aneurysm every single day so with that that's a hell of an introduction ace yeah i don't know what to do with all that thank you so much i i I appreciate that deeply no and thank you guys for having me back on every time i've been on the show it's been a great time oh you're welcome anytime here my friend so today like okay so like i said i was talking before the show that i didn't want to shoot the load just quickly (laughs) so i i wanted to get this in real time so i'm going to give you guys an example of what ace is dealing with like he's taking on it's almost like you know, like he's taking on the the, the responsibility or, or or lack thereof or the, the the lack of response for all of us sinners to like <laughs> talk to these people and the shit that people say to him is uh, is is a dumpster fire of magnanimous proportions. I can't even find the right adjectives to describe. Like I'll give you one example right now, fresh one. This is not a long time ago. This is fresh <laughs> from two thirty four p.m. Quote. There's a there's reasonable arguments for limiting alcohol consumption. The difference is alcohol has been a part of Western civilization for thousands of years. It's used during mass. Christ turned water into wine. Great argument. Um, it's been grandfathered in. Weed hasn't. Okay, so first of all, the poppy has been cultivated and used to fight pain since time immemorial, since yeah. we first discovered it. Right? Okay. Right. That's also a plant. So, um, and as far as using a religious example, I, I, if we're having a logical discussion, and I don't have a problem with religion, like people having their own religious beliefs, I, I, I don't care either way. But bringing this into a, a discussion about and starting it off with there's re, there's reasonable arguments for limiting alcohol consumption, when literally first, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it alone. But this is what our friend is dealing with, Ace. Yeah your favorite examples like 
like your favorite interactions. I know that you probably get like there. It's almost like dealing with a broken record, right? Because a lot of people are binary thinkers. They can't think outside of of, of this, you know, two dimensional world they live in. Right. You wouldn't mind giving us some examples and we could chat about them and, you know, and how you deal with it. Yeah. So I, I think, you know, with this type of discussion, like a lot of these arguments and these people kind of blend together, like it's almost like when they're presenting their, you know, arguments against like anarchism or something like that, where they're really falling into like an archetype practically because they're not actually like giving you any new type of like information or argument. They're really just falling into like a preset. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I think one of the things, you know, you get when you or can I actually first address that uh, can, that alcohol one real quick? That's actually was bugging me for a second. Um, it, so his, his argument was that, well, you know, uh, so he's coming at from like a Christian conservative point of view. And his argument is that, well, you know, we're uh, we alcohol has been grandfathered in. I believe he said that those were his words. Mm-hmm. What that means when, when conservatives say that, what they mean is that we failed to stop prohibit this years ago, and but just because now we failed to do it, now we're going to conserve it because we <laughs> failed to fight against it. And that is ultimately conservatism in a nutshell, right? They will conserve their past failures. And, and if you want, you know, if anyone wants to dispute that, you can just look at conservatives of today and anything they're conserving now would have been fought by the conservatives of 50 years ago or 20 years ago, right? So that's... Uh, that's essentially conservatism in a nutshell right there. So do you, <laughs> the alcohol thing really bothers me because you know what, man, like I, I would never advocate for the banning of anything. I don't consume much yeah. myself. Right, right. You got to keep what you have as sharp as possible. But I think that people can do whatever they want and they ought to. Uh, but out of all of the things that human beings have consumed in, uh, in our history, I think alcohol is a pretty big bane on the existence of man versus weed which is literally a danger to maybe you know the clerk working the corner store that has to deal with your stoned ass buying all the right products you know what i mean right i don't know and then christ bringing christ into this first of all i mean you're going to turn people off perhaps like myself who are like this is we're having a logical discussion Mm -hmm. in your christian conservatism you're going to bring this in like what else is in the bible that we should be putting in uh slavery because that, right. that was an argument for the South, right? We're like, yeah. well, it's in the Bible, right? So that's why we're going to keep it. Right. So I, 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 upon, like building upon this, a lot of this I see with people arguing with you is, you know, I've seen the, the warlord argument, which we could talk about. That's, that's, all, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's brilliant. It's always a great one. Yeah. And the idea that you need laws for people to behave themselves. And right. you said something really nice the other day. When you're like, I, I don't not, you know, I don't do bad things. I'm going to paraphrase what you said, of course, mm-hmm. but you, you don't do bad things. You don't, you know, do bad things because you're afraid of the law. It's because you, you don't do them because you don't think it's right to do them. You right. know, I mean, there's there is a morality to yeah. and the majority of us already operate on that period. It's kind yes. of like if you if you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a father, I don't beat the shit out of my kid, even though sometimes he pushes me to the limit and right. he by the way so he's a fighting age but with that being the case it's just immoral to, to, to hurt your child like I, I don't need you to pass a fucking law right to me how to behave and and how to treat my child you know right. what i'm saying so that's just yeah. one example like what what is the most common approach that these people like do they have an entry like i know warlords are taking over even though they're literally in charge right now yeah. 
Michael Malice always says that the arguments against anarchism are literally a description of what we're dealing with contemporarily. Yes, yes, and it, it's true. It's absolutely true, right? Like, it, so how I like to phrase it is like there, there are criticisms against anarchism, but they're not criticisms unique to anarchism, right? Like all these criticisms that you see from anarchism are when you really boil it down, they're just criticisms of life, right? It's like, well, bad things could happen. Yes, that's true of everything. That is no system protects you from, you know, natural forces completely, right? Yep. Um, and even like predators. So, uh, so like with the warlord argument, it's, uh, you know, they'll say that, well, you know, warlords will take over, uh, but they they designate warlord into a specific camp where it's like, well, no, this is what we define as a warlord, even though it's indistinguishable from the people in Washington, we're not going to categorize them as warlords because, well, because we're not, you know, it, it's just a, a circular practically. Uh, so it, it, it's, no, that's, that's one of them. And another one I get often is that, well, anarchism just, you know, anarchism would never work or it would just never, you know, that's, that's the most common one, right? Is it would never work or the state's always going to be here. And I think this was one of the ones that's like kind of the most, um, it's not shocking to me, but it's the most like mind numbing in some sense, because it's like, I, if I, if I was a per well, and I am obviously, but people who believe that murder is wrong, right? If you believe that murder is wrong, you don't need to like bank on the idea that we're going to have a world without murder to still oppose murder, right? Like, like even if I believed that the state was never going to go away, I would still be an anarchist because I believe it's wrong to, you know, own other people or treat them as my property. Uh, so th that's usually how I combat it. Um, and, and of course, you know, because they'll come back at you then and they'll say, well, that's just a utopian thinking, right? Well, you're just, you know, uh, you're just living in your head. That's utopian thinking. But it's like, well, everyone has some type of utopian thinking, right? As I, just as I said, in regards to like murder, we, people believe murder is wrong always and everywhere, even if we know that we're never going to eradicate it from the human species, right? Yeah, that's a great point. Let me ask you this. Yeah. This is something that I've come into contact with. And if I have, I know you have uh, ad nauseum. Um, we, you just talked about like this, you know, these utopian thinking, you know, and, for, and there's plenty of utopians around us. We're always one politician and one law, one piece of legislation, one uh, Supreme Court justice nomination away from, you know, righting all the wrongs and correcting and, and, and vanquishing evil from from a sea to shining sea. And, you know, just installing, you know, ushering in this literal utopia. We're just one vote away. Right. We're always one fill in the blank, one variable away from this. Right. right. Let me ask you this. Have you had the, the chance to ask and then have the response Okay, well, how much coercion is acceptable to get people to do what you want them to do? Because I think for myself, and I'm sure that I, I while I don't, I, I'm sure that I speak for many other people with our shared philosophy, that any amount of coerce, coercive behavior is wrong from the beginning, from literally mm -hmm. minute one, I got to go. That's not part of the discussion. It's nothing I want to entertain. But with these people, like for the, the we'll use the Christian conservative who you were speaking with earlier today with regard to uh, limiting alcohol consumption. Well, how do you do? How do you limit it? So first, let's say you're going to push your religious uh, precepts. Let's say, you know, like mm -hmm. uh, one of the seven deadly sins is gluttony. I fail miserably at that. I love candy and I love Taco Bell. It's just I'm sorry. It is what it is. But let's say, how, OK, well, if you're going to if you're going to try to use the invisible sky wizard to say, Hey, listen, 
you better behave yourself because that's a form of coercion. Even if it's from an entity that doesn't exist, or at least that right. I exist, you're telling people who do believe that their that their eternity is under threat if they don't do X, Y, or Z, or like you know the dietary mm-hmm. restrictions of certain religions. But when that fails on people like you and myself and the rest of the gang here, yeah. what is what is the next step to curb my consumption of of X, whatever that yeah. variable might be? What and like. Do, how do people justify that uh, acceptance of using coercion against individuals? Yeah, it's so you know you know how like um, in the division of labor, how it, when you when you it, it makes things more efficient, like the process becomes more efficient at producing a certain thing, but each person is working on a smaller and smaller units to produce the overall good. You know. Um, that also works in terms of morals, right? Or morality. So when you have a division of labor, when you're talking, when you're going to commit an immoral deed, uh, people feel less and less responsible. They're more detached from the actual deed itself, right? So because that person who's arguing that they don't have to go, or that who's been, like wants to ban alcohol, because they're not the ones who has to who have to go like kick down someone's door and point a gun in their face, because they're not the ones that have to do it. They feel much more comfortable advocating it, right? Because they they're not going to get their hands dirty, and they're likely never going to see the effects of their actions. Um, so this makes people much more um, likely to advocate things that they would never personally do themselves. Um, and I think you know uh, uh, you know think what you will about the dude. Uh, Stefan Molyneux actually came up with a really good, he didn't come up with it, but he kind of popularized in libertarian circles, which is the against me argument. So it's like whenever someone's trying to argue with you about, you know, they think this should be a law, or they think this, this or this, and you know them personally, in some sense, uh, a good strategy is to like, just ask them directly, why? Okay, like, what, under what parameters do you think it is uh, permissible for a cop to come in here and point a gun in my face, right? And once you just ask them that, like, and especially if you're in the room with them and you can look them in the eye, that's an extremely powerful uh, way of persuasion um, for most people, because most people will just back down. They're not willing to like, most people don't like confrontation. So it makes it really ironic when they're talking about, oh, there should be a law or we should ban all this stuff. And you know that they would never, ever personally enforce the things they're advocating for. That's a really good point. And, you know, just because uh, good old Steph jumped off the off right. the wagon for a little bit it doesn't mean everything he said prior yeah he did good things yeah he did i, I agree 100 percent. in fact like one of the, my first introductions into uh someone we're all familiar with michael malice was the discussion on anarcho-capitalism that he mm-hmm. and uh steph uh had uh had on yeah a number of years ago but it was a really good one so i'm not sure whatever happened to him i, I think he jumped on the um identity politics he tr- did yeah really embarrassing i'm sorry that it happened yeah um so let me ask you this. When we talk about the pure logic that you use, because you, all of your arguments uh, that you your rebuttals to the rebuttals mm-hmm. are always based in logic. Yeah. How like how why how or why is it impossible for some people to either abandon their ideology? Is it the two the two dimensional thinker, the binary thinker? And why do you feel that people refuse to accept logic? Like why? Why, what, like, what is it? Is it, is it almost, I mean, we use the word cult a lot when we talk about statists, right? Mm-hmm. We talk about the cult of statism. They, it's its own religion because it has all of its rituals and the pomp and circumstance that a lot of large religions that, you know, were spiritual yeah. have. Um, do you think that it's because there's a, uh, a rewiring? I won't call it hardwired because we, I, don't, I don't believe we were born this way. All of this crap is software. Mm-hmm. 
plugged into our brains at some point because of public school education, because of nationalism, whatever the case may be. But why do people have such a hard time with your logic? What is it? What is it about what you're delivering to them that threatens their way of thinking? What is that special something that keeps them from accepting the logic that you present? Yeah, so I, I think, you know, um, I, like, we, we conceive of like humans as like rational animals, but I think that like, um, I, I think a better way to conceive of human beings is in many cases of uh, rationalizing animals. So oftentimes they, they'll have, they'll have some way of feeling or they'll have some intuition that they have, and then they'll try to retroactively justify that intuition, even if the intuition is incorrect. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I think why it's hard to like kind of like deprogram them is it's not it's not just like like if someone's just wrong about something you know it might be a little bit embarrassing for them but often when someone's told that they're wrong about something and they have time to reflect on it they'll usually change they'll, they'll often you know re, at least reconsider they might not change their mind but they'll at least you know reconsider in private maybe right you know um, I, I think why it's hard for like statists if we're talking about um, talking about them um, I, I think the biggest reason is that it's not it's not merely just a belief they have, it's actually a part of their identity, right? Because they grew up, um, they grew up and their, either their parents uh, gave them these beliefs or they were instilled through public school. But a large part of their existence is like interwoven with their political beliefs, right? It's, it's a large part of their identity. So when you attack their political beliefs, it's not just, you know, oh, he's attacking something I believe to be true. No, no, he's attacking uh, my identity in some way. And they, they, people react very viscerally to that. Okay. I, I think that makes a lot of sense. Now, here's another thing. Now I, I want to give you the opportunity to uh, elaborate on this because you do it once again, you're, you're, you're the master at this. Um, uh, talking about examples of working anarchism. First of all, you know, you have made this point several times that anarchism is not the destination. It's a relationship. Okay. Yeah. Between individuals. Um, just like this is an, a, a, an anarchistic relationship we have with all of us yes. really speaking with each other right now, which mm -hmm. is a great example right. just to start off the bat. Um, the economics can be secondary to that. Um, but like, what do you, I'm trying to think of the way that you, like you deliver, like, have you ever converted somebody where they actually said, you know what, what you're saying makes sense. I didn't think about it that way. And, you know, I, at least like you said, they, they, they take they take pause for a second or, you know, think about, you know, digest it and think about it. Have you ever had somebody come up, you know, like whether it be in a DM or what have you say, you know, something you made a really good point. I, I've totally reconsidered what I've, I've thought. I, you know, and this is something, this is one of the reasons I stay on Twitter. I actually have, I've had uh, a good, not a huge, not like a huge amount, not like, you know, the ratio would not be great, but I've gotten a pretty, you know, pretty good amount of people who have DM'd me and said, wow, I think I, I actually really agree with you after having a long argument about it. There was one time um, I was arguing with a minarchist and I actually converted them to anarchism at the end of the argument. And that was, that was great to see. Um, so, so yeah, no, I, I do have those and it, it's, it's just great to see. No, that that's uh, hey man, you're doing a quote the Lord's work. I think that that's fantastic. <laughs> you know, like you said, that with people, I think you make a great point. It becomes part of their identity. Mm -hmm. I think you know those of us who are very outspoken about our our beliefs, you know, especially with our philosophy, you know, being anarchists. Like, yeah, it is a huge part of at least who I am. Yeah, like saying that my eyes are blue. It's like that's just a part of it. Like it's like right. if, first of all, attacking 
what I believe in. Like, I, I know that this is going to sound shitty, but I already know that you're coming from a place where you're wrong to begin with. I can't even be mad at you. You know what I mean? It's like right. adorable. You have no idea what you're talking about. You're like, oh, yeah, I was there like 10 years ago. Right, exactly. <laughs> you know, I, I believe me, I was. I was a card-carrying member of the Libertarian Party. You want to talk <laughs> fucking loser this guy right here for a long time um but let me ask you this the common misconceptions of our shared philosophy mm -hmm. uh what what do you find them to be i know that we mentioned warlords i know that people talk about like we've talked about that on the, sh on the show before the idea of corporations and you know how you know only certain corporations would be running the world you know kind of like they are right now right yeah are they, can you give us some examples of the common misconceptions where you're like okay first of all once again you have no idea what you're talking about right well i think the most common one is that anarchism is just chaos right and if you go and you look in the dictionary and you look on anarchy you'll say chaos and disorder right which is just one of the many definitions but that's the one people run with mm -hmm. um I think that's probably the most common one. If you look or just at the, if you pulled the general light population, that's probably what they would conceive anarchy to be. Um, another one, of course, is that, well, um, I think we went over this a little bit earlier. You know, we said warlords. Um, it's that, well, it's just implausible. It wouldn't work. It's just like, well, yeah, maybe it will. It also, when, okay, so I, I, I do want to like uh, jump on this pet peeve when I hear this argument. It's like, well, what do you mean by work exactly, right? Like, like when people say, uh, well, this wouldn't work. It's just like, okay, well, be specific at least and tell me like, what do you see is not working, right? They're never, um, um, they're almost never specific in what they mean. They're like, uh, it, but then they'll say, well, there'll be societal chaos and disorder. There'll be no justice and there'll be no law, just like now, right? <laughs> so uh, it, it's, all, it's always fun to, you know, just show people that no, there's no justice now. There's no real law right now. Um, so it's just like this fantasy that people believe in that they have no real reason to believe in if they actually inspected what was going on in their society, they would obviously see that there's no real justice. Um, so I, I think it's a pretty, um, it, like none of these arguments, so all the arguments I've ever gotten, it's just like, okay, I, it's not that you're wrong in the sense that what you're saying is impossible. It's the fact that it's going on right now, right? Oh, right. Do you think it's that they just can't accept reality that they don't realize that all of that is occurring at this very moment? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I, I think it's a bit, I think that's a huge part of it too, right? It's like, um, I, I think a long time ago, I, I my, my personal realization that I came to is like all arguments against anarchism are actually all arguments against reality itself, right? Like the idea that, well, it, it, under anarchism, a, a stronger force could come and take over uh, a weaker force, like anarchism. It's like, that's true of, of life. Like, that's just like all other things being equal, which, you know, they're almost, they're almost never all equal, but all other things being equal in a hypothetical sense, a stronger force will beat a smaller force, right? That's just, that's, and I don't mean to like, uh, like hand wave that away, but I'm just saying that that is life. That's not an argument against anarchism itself, right? Like if we talk about different states, um, different, a larger state could take over a smaller state. So if you're saying that we need a government because of the idea that a stronger force could take over a smaller force, that argument would seem to imply the necessity for a world government um, under the same conditions in a, in, a, in the action of states interacting. So um, yeah, I think people just are unable to accept that this is just the reality we live in, right? It, it's like um, 
you see this a lot of conservatives where they'll see, well, this is what the constitution says. And the constitution is like this uh, bulwark in their mind where it's like, okay, yeah, things are going badly right now, but you know, we have the constitution still, at least, you know, we have the constitution <laughs> or, or just why won't they just follow the constitution? Gosh, gosh, darn it. You know, it, it's just, uh, it's just like very simple thinking that it's like, well, and, and uh, you know, I've actually made the argument that, you know, the Constitution in some sense pacifies conservatives because they're always looking to it to save them, right? They're always thinking, oh, well, you know, uh, we just need to get someone in there who will follow the Constitution. It's like, well, bud, they're not going to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. No, right. Dude, I'm so glad that you that you said that because I wanted – did you watch the um, the absolute train wreck that was uh, the Alex Jones, Joe Rogan, Michael Malice appearance on Tim Pool's show? Did I you- – I saw a small clip of it uh, with Michael Malice. Oh, it was uh, Angel and I watched it from start to finish, and it was a hoot. Let me tell you, it was really good. Uh, th- but at the same time, like Alex Jones, like Michael got so mad at him because every time Michael started talking, Alex was like, "Well, yeah, and this, that, and the other thing," and he's getting all fired up, and and Michael just kept giving him this look because he's like, "You keep interrupting me." But he did make a great point. Like Michael, kind of like there's one conservative fellow that's on Tim's show. Uh, and this one specifically, and Michael was brought up the point, and I wanted to talk to you about it. He's like, you know, I, you know, you know, how we make progress with people who still believe, like, in the Constitution and voting out the reality that exists, because that's what these people were. Even Alex Jones was like, you know, well, I don't care if there's a, a libertarian that goes in the Democrat Party or if it goes in the Republican Party, and you know, just we got we got to start getting these people out of here. And Michael just keeps shaking his head because he knows what the rest of us know. That this is going to be like a hundred percent, like you know, it, it, it's not going to work. You know, it's going to be ineffective from minute one. So, how do we get individuals? Like, you're the one who had the most awesome quote. Would you mind dropping your quote that now everybody <laughs> has heard, which is fantastic? Please. Yeah, sure. I said the uh, Constitution is the conservative equivalent of a gun-free zone sign. It's the best. That's it, pretty good. It, it really <laughs> is. Didn't he yeah, hit on Rogan's show? Right on the head. Uh, sorry, say that again. Didn't he hit? did he say that on Rogan's show when he went on? Yeah, like yeah, and and it's in the Anarchist Handbook too. Oh my God, that's so, that's that's it's such a cool thing for you to get yeah. for that. But seriously, how do we get people to stop thinking that they could? Like, I love hearing that. Here's the, this is the thing that I don't know if you you know perhaps you agree with this. I've heard like when I was working on the warehouse, like when Christopher and I worked together in the warehouse uh, on the floor, um, we always heard that, you know, you have to go through the proper channels if you have a complaint or if you want something to get mm-hmm. fixed, right? You have to mm-hmm. follow up. But it, and it works in the same thing. I've heard people, it's funny how many vets are now waving the black flag because <laughs> yeah. they literally oh, dealt yeah. with the evil that is the state on like on a real personal level. Mm-hmm sending them to war and fucking destroying their bodies and giving them Percocets and getting them. Right. You know what I mean? All that shit. Yes. You hear follow the proper channels. Well, how do you convince these people that the proper channels are literally run by people who will do nothing? They say run through the proper channels because they are the proper channels. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know what I mean, how, where, what's, what's the strategy here with these people? Right. It's like, you know, it's how conservatives will say, well, you know, you can't ever resist a cop. You have to fight it in court. It's like, oh, the court, that's the state's court with the state's prosecutors, (laughs) uh, state's laws. Uh, Okay. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah. So, um, yeah. 
like the whole proper channel thing is is so like absurd to me because it's like you the you're what they're doing is that like you're fighting them on their terms like you when you say go through the proper channels what what the proper channels mean is illegal channels legal meaning the state's law right so when they say go through legal channels they're saying well no we have to fight the state by going through their own you know selected channel their sanctified channel it's like okay well you're just you know you're already on losing ground the moment you step in there right the moment you step into a courtroom you know the books are already stacked against you if you're an anarchist right like that's just common sense um so I, I think, you know, well, I, and I kind of want to speak to this because it's like one of the reasons people like want, like he, they hear about like, well, there's these channels, you know, there's these proper channels we can go through. And a lot of this is because I, in my opinion, it's like most people, um, if they feel like there are proper channels, then this takes the burden of responsibility off themselves to do things. They can just say, okay, we can just follow this uh, regimented set of um, rules and actions and this can kind of, you know, get us to where we want to go. At least if they, if they at least think that in their mind, then they can think there's, it, it relieves some sense of probably like anxiety, I would imagine, of thinking, oh, I got to do something, I got to do something. It's kind of like the constitution where it's like, oh, well, you know, if we just follow the regulations here as it's specified in, you know, section three under line two, it's like, oh, well, you know, I guess we can just, uh, uh, you know, everything will work out fine. But it's like, no, the people with the constitution specifically the very people who the constitution is supposed to limit have a monopoly on interpreting and enforcing that document and they have a monopoly on inter and on interpreting and enforcing their channels that yeah those conservatives seem so willing to like want to go through as opposed to you know resisting the state and i'm not even arguing that you should be go out and like violently resist the state but i think this um idea of like uh going through the state's channels is just absurd uh, well, it is absurd. You're absolutely right. And my favorite, one of my favorite examples that I was able to, to drop on somebody, uh, it was a conversation. Well, I think it was uh, police, the police, the account, I they keep getting deleted and they keep coming back. You know, they're like, they're like a weed that you can never kill. Which yeah. um, and then somebody, some boomer, or some blue lives matter, like, you know, real, you know, somebody that I wouldn't consider a friend. He's not invited to the barbecue. <laughs> right. Yeah. Not him, not him, not that guy. Yeah. <laughs> Not him at all. Uh, I, I said, you know something? I don't know what all you people are worried about. You know, I have been pulled over multiple times and all I ever did was cite the Fourth Amendment and the police vanished like the car was gone. The person <laughs> it, it works every time. Like those are the magic words. Like, you know, I have a right to, uh, you know, to probable cause and not be searched. And then all of a sudden the cop just dematerializes. Right. The car's gone. If you invoke you invoke the there constitutional no incantation and then the cop just vanishes into a mist it's gone yeah right right and you know something man like uh, something i've said on this show multiple times that is usually my introduction to people to try to at least get them to start thinking about this is we talk about it all the time i'm I, i'm a dog every one of us here like angel myself and christopher we're all dog people we own dogs dog yeah. part of our family um, I, and a lot of people that I know are conservatives and have dogs. I said, do you know that the police kill an average of 25 dogs per day? Yeah. Usually begin. My idea is that once, you know how Michael said, I, I have to keep citing him because, you know, he was a big part of bringing mm -hmm. to the black flag, but I have to keep saying, you know, how he says we have to get the average person to look at uh, the media, the way they look at uh, an executive for uh, Philip Morris, for example. Right. Yeah. 
I feel the same way applying that to the police. I want yes. the average American to look at the cops the way you would look at a tobacco executive. You, yes. know they're, they're, you know what the mission is. You know what they're here for. And I think that maybe that's a good gateway because conservatives don't realize. Like I tell, I, there's, a, there's a fellow that I know that I work with, a big gun guy, loves guns, you know, you, you know. But I always tell him, like, do you really think the Marine Corps is going to come for your guns? It's not going to be them. They're not dumb enough to do that. They already know what happens when you do that. Mm -hmm. People in your neighborhood, meaning the police, they already know the streets. They know the death funnels and the alleyways and everything about you. They know your license plate, what you drive. They know everything about you. They're in your community. Who do you think it's going to be? It's going to be them. And if you don't think they're going to kill you, your dog, and your wife to protect their pension, you've lost your fucking mind. And a lot of people kind of like, think about it for a second. You can see that that spark of, oh, shit, I never thought about it that way. Right. Yeah. Um, So what I like to do is like, let's even, let's steal man there, the conservative argument. Let's say a lot of cops will quit when it comes to guns, right? Let's just assume that's true just for the hypothetical here. Okay, they've quit. And now the state is going to hire people who will not quit and they'll enforce it, Mm -hmm. right? So even if they were right, which I don't think they are, even if the conservatives were right, that that it's not really an argument against police. They So because the people who were police, the the good cops quit and now they're no longer cops. So what does that say, right? (laughs) So now that you have cops who won't quit, who are hired by the state, who will go in there and kill you. It's like, so you're, so the argument against, well, there's some good, you know, there's some good cops. It's like, well, those people, if they were good cops, they would quit even by your own standards. So, so that certainly says a lot about, you know, police or it certainly should like show like what you really think about police when it comes to it. Yeah. And, you know, it's something so insidious to where, you know, they get these, you know, it's not, they don't call them the police force because that word literally yeah. describe what they're up to. Oh, you know, it's a safety forces or, safe, or the safety services, you know, lumping them in with firemen. Correct me if I'm wrong. The song doesn't say, fuck the firemen. Okay? Right. <laughs> I'm sorry. It just doesn't, you know, people mm-hmm. write like you could say like most of the fire departments in the country are volunteer. Right. And I'm happy. Yeah tribute to a volunteer fire for, firefighting force. oh yeah That's serious business to have balls to run into a building to save people's lives is a is a magnanimous amount of courage i think it's tremendous and and and, and awesome because i don't know man fire some scary shit especially if it's you know you know in your home and you got a family and you got anybody i mean that's scary stuff but oh, yeah. cops don't run into buildings to save people's lives from fire yeah. They'll shoot you no. as you're running out or to serve you a warrant. Or they won't even enter the building at all. Like, you know, we've seen, was the part the Parkland school shooting yes. when the cops just stood outside while the, while the shoot, while the active shooter was inside and they just didn't go in. Right. right? Or, you know, that was it in Florida or Texas, that UPS uh, um, vehicle that was hijacked. And then the, all the cops oh, were hiding yeah. behind the cars on, in the highway. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. Find civilian cars on the highway as they were in a shootout. It's like, yeah, these people, for one, uh, they're not these like heroes that they're made out to be. And, uh, you know, when when they when they do actually put themselves on the line, they're doing it for evil reasons. So it's like in either case, they're contemptible. Right. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yep. And to, to further your point with the courts, I mean, this is something again that mm-hmm. you know, I feel like a lot of times we end up talking about this over and over again, because I think not enough people realize it. 
or maybe they don't care. Maybe they're generally apathetic. You know, maybe they do just want something warm and doughy in their mouth and to watch Netflix and hang out, which is fine. But you mentioned the courts. Well, guess what? In the Parkland situation, the, one of the courts that people love to just fight it in court, the court said the cops have no obligation to protect. Right. Why the fuck are you here? Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. I, 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 if somebody could explain that to me, I'd really welcome that. You're obligated to pay them and you'll go to jail if you don't. But they're not obligated to do to do their job. Yeah, yeah exactly. I, I don't get it. And the other here's another avenue that I've used with individuals with, you know, a modicum of success is that when you talk about the Constitution, I, I used to be one of those people that believed in the magic document. I mean, I used to be a theist as well. I used to believe in the sky wizard and all that stuff. But when you, you tell people, hey, do you guys know that the Constitutional Convention was a coup? Yes. Like, legitimate coup? Yes. You know, they they nailed the windows shut yeah. so nobody could hear what they were talking. They were sworn to secrecy inside. Yeah, exactly. And it benefited, you know, it benefited a certain few the way they wrote it to make sure. And then, of course, you know, they were there originally for people who don't know, to give you context, that those delegates were sent there to look at the Articles of Confederation, the original document that governed yeah. the, uh, the country. And then they decided, fuck that shit. They crumpled up the paper. They threw it out. And we're, we're like you said, sworn to secrecy. And then they wrote this entirely new document, which, quote, they have no, they had zero authority from the people, you know, the landowning white Protestants, you know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And yeah. the fact that people don't realize and a lot of people are like, well, it's the best thing that, you know, we've come up with. Well, right. it's like, well, what, what, what about the articles? What happened to that? Yeah, no, that wasn't good enough because it, what's funny too is I've had I've I've read a lot of constitutional scholars uh, who argue against the Constitution. Who said, "Well, this is the problem. The idea that I mean, first of all, the revolutionary principles that were embodied in the Declaration of Independence failed to be fulfilled minute one. Not all men and women were created. You know, were treated. Right. They were created equally, but they were not treated equally. Right. Automatically, those genuinely revolutionary principles were thrown out the window. Yes. So, but what a lot of people don't understand is there's a lot of scholars who will tell you that the Articles of Confederation were, in fact, so lenient in the fact that they didn't have a strong central government. It didn't exist. Like the states were kind of like doing their own thing. South Carolina's printing money, yeah. trying to get into like, you know, an alliance with France, and, you know, because they're acting as independent actors. Yeah. And these powerful individuals were like, hang on a minute. Like, no, that's not how this is supposed to work. Right. No, you have this strong central government. Yeah. And they had little to no tax money either, the uh, governments. So it was, it was not a great time for them. No, uh, you're right. Yeah. Well, also, they, they, they had no, like, what was it like? Washington had to literally ride an army to go collect tax, put down the Whiskey Rebellion and collect yeah. people. Right. No. So all, here we are already out the gate. And listen, as a general, I think George is phenomenal. He learned from his mistakes. Mm -hmm. He fucked up a lot in the beginning, but he definitely learned how to fight his adversary on okay. his terms. I think he's a brilliant general as a president. I, I think it all goes tits up. I mean, right. Yeah. Trash. Yep. Trash. <laughs> yeah. So people always talk about like, oh, how great the, you know, the early days in America were. It was actually, well, no, not really. If you really look into it, a lot of them were immediately like just uh, shitting on the Constitution immediately. Like soon as, as soon as like it was even ratified, it was like, oh, well, nope, sorry. Yeah, exactly. Um, have you, let me ask you this. 
when when you fail to you know get through some of these very thick-skulled individuals who you deal with on a daily basis do they ever resort to the i mean to like literally like getting into your dm box and you know insulting you and you know all this that and the other thing i mean i see them insult you well you know when you're tweeting at them which you don't return you know because you're making an, a logical argument but does it ever like get to the point where they're like i'm gonna come and find you and fucking you know burn your house down no no i've never i've luckily never had that happen or i i think like me like maybe once or twice ever that someone hopped into the dms that i was arguing with but it wasn't that hostile um usually they just give up after a while and they just stop and it's like oh okay i guess this is the end of the conversation for now well that, that, that's yeah. the smart thing for them is to walk away I- <laughs> really truly are there Um, conversations that you have that you like walk away feeling frustrated because you just feel like the person didn't read or you know comprehend what you're trying to say to them yes so there there are um certain conversations i have with people where they you it's actually not so the ones i get most frustrated with are actually probably other libertarians and it's not actually like status because i i expect status to be you know i expect status to be status you know what i mean but sometimes i'll be arguing with a libertarian and i'll feel like or a libertarian adjacent person at the very least and i'll feel like they're using language in such a way in a very like general general ambiguous way to the point where you you can't pin down what they're saying because they're just speaking so ambiguously and then when you try to push them on it or you try to infer anything they'll be like no no that's not what i meant right mm-hmm. so um i find when you're getting into an argument and you're proposing or if i'm getting into an argument and the other person is just using language in such a way where they're where they can tiptoe around things depending on how the argument goes i find that to be kind of disingenuous and that can be pretty annoying yeah understandably uh yeah. you ever get into the economics of uh when these discussions with individuals let's say someone who comes from a a left-wing you know traditionally on the on the spectrum from a left-wing uh perspective economically do you ever get into discussions with them and do you uh do you try to steer them to at least look at you know the free market not in the uh i guess in the lens of what the common individuals on in, on this planet understand is free market economics which is hardly free uh do you are you able to you know because i know that we've run into people who feel that you know it's like well you know true capitalism is like you know there's like three companies that you know run the world and it's like well you don't understand that right. Corporations don't exist without the protection of the state. It's the state that provides these, uh, you know, heavily tilted uh, game boards where they can play to uh, an, an enormous advantage against, you know, like small, like just the pandemic, for an example. It was the small businesses that suffered. However, yeah. Amazon, Walmart and Target are doing just fine. In fact, yeah. thriving. So do you ever get uh, an opportunity to talk to individuals who do maybe, I mean, I want to call them Marxists in a pejorative sense, but do have that you know, have a socialist or a communist view of economics, they prefer central planning or having, you know, the state control things, the means production, things like that? Um, So when it comes to economic arguments, I actually try to, so I actually find economic arguments are probably the one of the least persuasive ways to actually reach people. It's not that I'm not, it's not, not that I'm like opposed to actually engaging in them. Like I have engaged in economic arguments with people before, like especially on the left side. Um, but I feel like the, the reason why it's not as persuasive is because 
it had requires such a buy-in of um, like background knowledge in economics in the first place to even like, you know, if I'm going to correct someone on some economic thing they're wrong on, I have to go back and like talk about like things way, way back and start from essentially the beginning and recreate where we are now, right? You know what I mean? Um, so I, I find like that is, um, uh, it's tedious. I'm not opposed to it, but I feel like if I was arguing with someone on the left, I would, I would, it would be much better to, um, make inroads on things that they're already like maybe leaning towards as far as libertarianism goes, that they might like some social issue. And I could say, Hey, this is why, you know, if you actually believe this, this is why you should believe this. Right. Um, so the economic arguments, while they're good and eventually you will, I, so eventually if I've get, gotten them far enough, I will engage in economic arguments, right? Because if I, if I have, if I'm going to convert a leftist, I have, at one point I have to engage in the economic argument, but it's usually not the thing I start with. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, you know, do you find like, I've, I've at least come to this conclusion. Like I used to be, you know, a complete asshole to Ancoms and, you know, I hated them and of mm -hmm. course, Aaron started trolling them with his magical formula that worked brilliantly. Like I still laugh at that episode, you know, like yeah. that, that point in time where he just, he completely dominated them and everybody started, you know, implementing his, his, his model. It was, it was so good. It worked perfectly. Like I saw you do it. It was, it was yeah. impeccable. But at the same time, I, I've, I've come to the point that, you know, at least I don't think economics is the most important thing to discuss because I really believe that's when we start getting into that 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 binary thinking. Well, it has to be this way or that way. It's kind of like when you hear somebody say that I've heard this before when when uh, uh, well in an anarchist state and it's like okay you're wrong already like there's yeah it's a, you blew it already kiddo. <laughs> like, I think it's secondary. I mean, I don't know how you guys all feel about it, but I, I, it doesn't. I don't really care what you believe economically anymore. I mean, it doesn't matter if you want to. Like I said, you want to live in a commune where everybody's wearing hemp clothes and there's no locks on the doors and everything is communal property. I think you should have a great fucking time. Yeah. Sincerely, I, I think a lot of people confuse like, um, like, like a base foundational economics with like their preferred economic outcome or how they would want to live in an like an economic like uh hub i guess right um so like as you said it's like for me for the way i would view it like and this i'm not trying to impose this on anyone else but like if i saw a bunch of people associating together freely in a commune where they all decide that they're going to like uh communally own their own their property in common i would view that as a perfectly legitimate market action now they might and i'm not even going to like try to convince them of that and that's you know that's fine because there's no reason to like you know argue over semantics ultimately um uh, but I would just feel like, oh, yeah, that's fine. Go for it, dude. Yeah. Yeah. I, I Because, again, like I, I find that we have far more in common with the people that, you know, hang out in the liberty circle, at least, uh, you know, for fellow anarchists, you know, that we, we do have a lot in common with each other. You know, we have the, the you know, the base foundations of being uh, anti-authoritarian. Yeah against coercive behavior, uh, complete voluntary uh, interaction with each other. I think that, that that's a good place to start. It's when we start making enemies just saying, well, you know, if you don't agree with my specific economic model, well, I mean, that's quite an absolute to deal with. I mean, if you don't like right. it, we don't have to participate. Like, and, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. So, sorry. No, it's all right. I was just going to say, like, I, I we've talked about this before, you and I, like, I'm a huge fan of Emma Goldman. I'm a huge oh, yeah. fan of Walterine Declare. Like yep. We talked about them on our on our show repeatedly. 
I don't think either one of them would would roll in in, in an agora circle. But that's right. hey, that's fine because we also do share some core tenets and beliefs, which is voluntary interaction and uh, ultimate freedom of the individual. Yeah, yeah, and you you also see like for me, it's like I like however people want to define themselves. I think that's like, you know, define yourself however you want, right? That's your own personal choice. Um, I only get worried if you're, you claim to be an anarchist and you start saying, I think the cops should do this. And it's like, Hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. <laughs> yep. And you, you know, you can especially see this in some circles where it's like, um, uh, this is kind of like a good litmus test, um, which is that if you assumed let's say there's we're going to get to an anarchist society but we assumed for the sake of argument that this anarchist society is going to be opposite of your own secondary cultural preferences would you still want to live in an anarchist society for me it'd be yes because i I value liberty more than i would value any other like secondary cultural position right and that's not to say culture isn't important or that you shouldn't care about like you you know or value your culture but i do think it's very important to if you're going to be an anarchist um i think it's important to like always have the goal in mind because i feel like there's some anarchists on both the left and the right that only claim anarchism because they think it's going to help them get to their own culturally preferred outcome you know what i mean and i'm not convinced that uh that's uh, definite that's a really, really good point. Uh, I, 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 man, that I never thought about that. That's a hundred percent true, and we do see it quite often, don't we? Like you know, just by observing, even just you know, li- you know of course, Twitter's not the you know the, the, the real world, so to speak. But you get a right. good sampling. Like you have, you have a decent yeah. different opinions. Oh yeah, definitely see that on there. I want to give you the opportunity, if you wouldn't mind, to elaborate. On the example that you've used several times, and by several, I mean probably more than 20, but less than 1,000, but somewhere in between 20 and 1,000, okay, where you talk about ancient examples, for example, Ireland. And yes. Could you, get, could you get into that a little bit? Because they always say, well, like, you know, name one time, or that's usually what they say, well, name. Yeah, you know name I mean? one time. Okay, name two times. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> Right. Uh, yeah. So ancient Ireland is one of my favorite examples of an anarchist um, like formation. Um, so the way ancient Ireland worked is that it was um, uh, so I, first I, I should address the objections real quick because one immediately people say as well, that, well, ancient Ireland had kings, right? How can you claim it's an anarchist like formation? They had kings, they had, uh, you know, tribes, things like that. Mm-hmm. Well, from what we know about ancient Ireland, the kings were essentially just el- respected elders, right? And, and you see this a lot, like um, when you talk, when you look into old tribal societies, they had they might have been designated as chiefs or kings, but ultimately they had no real political power in the way we would consider a monarch a king, right? So it, it compa- trying to equate like a monarchical king to like a king in ancient Ireland or like or certain tribes is just it's not an apt comparison. Um, so these kings didn't really have any power. And basically how Ireland, ancient Ireland was set up is that you had these things called tuoths and they were these little like organizations or tribes that you could freely join and leave at any time. And they would essentially like represent you or the, like they would represent you if you were a certain tribe or if you got into any legal disputes, they would represent you. Um, and you would essentially be, they would have certain rules, but of course, if you didn't follow the rules, 
they would just disassociate from you. They would not punish you. They would just say, okay, if you're not going to follow our rules, we're no longer going to protect you. So it was a completely like voluntary, peaceful um, interaction. Um, and then the important part, what makes it essentially anarchism is that they had a pot, what's known as a polycentric legal order. And what this means is opposed to like monocentric, which is like you have one central legal structure and it goes down from there. Um, polycentric is um, essentially overlapping jurisdiction. So there wasn't really jurisdiction in the way we would think of like jurisdiction. What would happen is if two parties had a dispute with one another, um, they could go to uh, a Brehan, which is essentially a judge who they picked and he would try to um, resolve the dispute. But the point, but the, what makes it polycentric is that they could go from, they could pick any number of Brehans um, that they wanted and to resolve the dispute. And it doesn't matter if they're in their specific jurisdiction or not. So it was freely open. There was no, they were not like locked into like a monopolistic legal order in their like uh, jurisdiction that they were in. So it was very free in, in that sense. And, and um, they had no police, they had no military. They often enforce their like um, rulings through um, ostracism, right? So if, you, if uh, a thief stole a cow or something um, and he like refused to pay it back or something, they would uh, just say, okay, well, we're not going to protect you. And the two auths would essentially evict him out of the two auth. They're, they would say, we're no longer going to protect your rights um, unless until you make good on this, you're on your own, right? And that's, uh, that's essentially anarchism. Uh, I, that's an excellent example. Uh, I, and, you know, you really, uh, I appreciate you elaborating on that for the audience. Oh, yeah. For those of, the, of of us who were not familiar with how it worked, I think that that's um, an excellent example, and I don't know how you make an argument against that. And there's also um, uh, there, there's another one I, I loved, which is a uh, Kospaya. So uh, Kospaya um, was, um, I believe, it was. So it, the thing about Kospaya, Kospaya lasted about four hundred years, I believe, um, and it it happened by accident, which is really funny. Um, so I think it was Pope uh, Eugene the Fourth was trying to sell a landmass to uh, like the Republic of Florence, but he drew the map wrong. Well, like he had his his people, I guess, drew the map wrong, and they left a little sliver of um, land that was supposed to go to Flor the Republic of Florence that did not, and that was Cospaia. And so they were rendered stateless from this um, for a good while, uh, four hundred years. And the, instead of saying, you know, because, you know, you always say, oh, well, if you if the state was destroyed, another state would just form. It's like, well, actually, we have historical evidence to show, no, that that did not happen here. Right. Uh, so the, they were left at literally stateless. They were not they were in no jurisdiction of a state. And they're like, OK, we'll go with this. And they just they, they were a. um um Like a trading town they had. So they did have like. um like elders and judges, but they were very similar to ancient Ireland where I, they didn't have any cops or military or, or prisons or anything like that. Um, and yeah, it was, you know, very peaceful for like 400 years. And, you know, you, sure you could say that, well, yeah, it only lasted 400 years, but I mean, uh, most societies only last 250. So. Only 400, right. Yeah. Only oh, and you know, I've had people respond that, oh, only 400. It's like, dude, uh, the American empire is not going to last 300. Um, so 400 is pretty good. I would say yeah. so. Mm -hmm. yeah, fair play to the Pope that fucked that up. Be like, thank you, your holiness. We oh, right. Yeah, that's great. It's like, 
um you know that's actually something funny because that's another criticism you'll get is that well and the problem with anarchism is it's transitory it does not last forever right and but the obvious uh counterexample of this is that well life is transitory we're not going to live forever but the fact that we know this life is not going to go on forever does that mean we should just all jump off a mountain right well it's obviously well no i don't think that's the logical conclusion you take from that um so if you, so the idea that's not going to last forever should not be a it should not be a knockout argument against anarchism and states aren't going to last forever either so you know like the whole argument that well it's transitory it's like it's a non-argument really it's just like you're you're saying something that's probably true but it's not it doesn't imply anything further yeah that's an excellent point and you know the the, the other thing too is like i don't know how you you feel about this but you when people start thinking like, you know, there's platformists and there's revolutionary anarchists that, you know, yeah. want, want to, you know, kill everybody, which, you know, I'm not going to say on here, you know, whether <laughs> doing that. Uh, but uh, I will say that when you start on the on the micro level and not worry about the macro, worry about your fucking self, first of all, like, oh, yeah, a great example. I know that we've talked about this with Sal the Agoras before. I love going to farmers markets. Farmers mm -hmm. markets are great because, first of all, tax is usually not involved at all. Okay. It's uh, cash transactions. There's bartering you can do there. That's a great example. So you have to start living free, first of all, with yourself and behaving in you like being a good example of what you believe in. Yeah. You know, don't try to resolve your problems if you have them with somebody, if you can, without fucking calling, you know, the fuzz to come in and, you know, kill your dog and shoot your daughter or whatever it is, you know, that they're going to do. You know, like I think if you just start thinking like, because yeah, well, like we want to overthrow the state and we want to do this, that, and the other. Okay, they're going to lock you in a box straight away when you start talking. They're like, the right, courts are not going to help you. Okay, then it's not, yeah, not going to work for you. So, beginning on an individual level and behaving as living as completely free as you want to and not hurting other people, you'd be surprised how far you can get already just by doing that, right? And you know, this is that, that's such a, a great point because it's like. You know, you see, you see this on Twitter sometimes where it's like you have there's certain anarchists who will go out and they'll be like, um, they'll be talking like, well, we need to do a bunch of stuff. We need to do a bunch of stuff, which is true. It's not wrong. And they're not wrong for, you know, uh, uh, saying this, but it's also like at a certain point, it's like, OK, yeah, that's true. But you have to start locally. You have to start your for you, right? I feel like there's certain times when um, anarchists on Twitter or libertarians on Twitter like almost have this tone where it's like, if you didn't help to like you know overthrow the government, then you failed. Well, it's like, wait a minute, you're putting a lot of responsibility on on people here who are in the same position you are, bud. You know, so <laughs> I, I think, you know, you need to take a step back and humble yourself for a second and just realize that, OK, well, the first thing you need to do is um, if we just played this out, if you don't have the support of your local community, you're not going to get anywhere anyway. Right. It, like your your uh, your rebellion attempt is not going to go well unless you at least have some type of like local support or local bond. So the fact that, you know, you have to start living free in your own life and living free in your community, because if you don't start there, I don't even see how like I don't even see how there is a stepping stone to get anywhere further. Right. It's a non-starter if you don't um, if you don't have those social bonds in, in from your local community in the first place. Um, and, and certainly this is, you know, uh, this is also really and, and you know in big cities this is not 
as achievable, which is, you know, a, a good argument maybe to like consider getting out of cities if possible. Um, but it's like, if, if you did live in a small town, right, and you knew everyone there, um, the idea that, you know, hopefully you wouldn't, and there was a jury of your, your actual peers there who actually knew you, you know, you might have a better chance in court than you would have otherwise, but potentially, right, if people knew you personally. So, you know, that's at least something to consider. Um, but yeah, you need to start living free in your own life. And, you know, I, I, I know you'll know this, but you know, that, that great Albert Camus quote, which is like the only way to live free in an unfree world is to become so absolutely free that your very existence is an act of rebellion. That's like, that's a great quote. That, that's essentially like my own personal anarchist motto. That's, that's, that's exactly how I feel. That's literally yeah. the motto that I live by. And yeah. it, it, Albert Camus has been such a powerful force in my life. I've actually... Yeah mother to read the stranger believe it or oh not. that's awesome so that's a good step her next one is the rebel i don't think she knows what's it what she's in for <laughs> oh she, yeah go. she went she told me she goes i went to barnes and noble and i got the books that you wanted me to get and you know and then she's talking she's reading the stranger and she's like they never talk about what happened to the dog and i'm like mom let's not focus just on the dog <laughs> right <laughs> right my mother but you know yeah, that's her first concern is you don't know what happened to the dog and i'm like just mom just please just try to get the concepts but that's okay at least she's reading it but yeah that that's 100 true man and here's the other thing that this is the thing i want to come back to something that you said when uh you know where people are talking about well if you're not you know burning down the government and overthrowing it and you're doing all this other stuff then whatever well i see this a lot there's an individual that got very upset with when like you know when i'm the big joke on our show is like you know and it's not a joke. It actually happened. Losing our guns in a boating accident. You know, it's a very tragic thing that happens. Lake Erie's not too far from right. it. It's a dangerous place. Shallow water. Bad things can happen. I boat armed all the time and I lose them all the time. But with that being somebody had uh, said, well, if it's time to lose them, it's time to use them. And it's like, well, then what the fuck are you doing? You're right. telling me that. You're telling me that. What are you doing about it? Right. It's always... Right. Go first, right? You're, you know, you go first. They want the other person to step on on the shore first, right? Mm -hmm. On the Normandy first. So yeah, it's yeah. That like I, I understand like their gut reaction to it, right? Like they're you know it, it's an understandable reaction to be pissed that you know things are going poorly, obviously in uh, for the world in terms of liberty. But you have to remember that um, if you, if someone is going, if you're going to be a martyr, that's a personal decision. You should not goad people into be, becoming a martyr just because you feel like this is right. You know, that, uh, I, I think the, like the more people understand and accept that it's like, look, if you have people you care about, if you have loved ones, uh, you should not martyr yourself and just die when you could protect them when it's not necessary right martyrdom may be necessary maybe potentially hopefully not in the future but it may be but until it is necessary maybe you should not you know like try to force it yeah i i think that that's a great point and you do yeah it's you, nobody thinks about the uh the collateral damage of doing something like that and when you yeah. talk you use the word martyr. We do have martyrs in our own movement. For example, the uh, the, the anarchists that were uh, killed by the state, the, the innocent yes. like Albert Parsons, for example. Yeah. The, uh, you know, with uh, Louis Ling, who was murdered by the state, all the anarchists of Chicago that were killed by the government. And, and I mean, Ross Ulbricht in prison right now. Ross Ulbricht in prison. Uh, you know, there's people that 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 are not even doing numbers for raping children the way he's doing numbers. 
yeah. uh, and it's 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 an unmitigated disgrace. But this is something you, know, you said the word martyr, and when you 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 brought this up, it made me think of some of somebody who is like a religious martyr, where you do the videos and they have these young people who have the bomb strapped to them that they're going to go blow up a Humvee. It's not the guy who's forty five holding the camera. They're sending children to go die for their religious cause or whatever it is, which to me is like, like, again, if you want to go fucking die, have a ball, help yeah. yourself, you know, you have right. to do what you got to do. But to say, well, you know, that's the thing that really bothered me was like, well, if it's, it's time to, uh, to lose them. It's time to use them. It's like, if I had a nickel for every fucking tough guy who says that, I mean, <laughs> I wouldn't have to work. I mean, yeah, right. And it's embarrassing because what are you fucking doing? I'd be like, well, Jay, you, you do fucking podcast with 11 and a half people. It's like, at least we're having meaningful discussions. Don't know right. what you're doing. You know what I mean? It's right. And also, you, you know, people feel like they're owed for you to do something. Right. Mm -hmm. And like, like you, at a certain point, you have to set boundaries and say, Hey, I, I don't owe you anything. Right. Like I'm uh, like, sometimes people uh, come on to Twitter and say, why, why didn't you make this argument instead? And it's like, well, I, because I didn't. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Why didn't you make the fucking argument then? Right. 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 Why did you chime <laughs> right. in buddy? <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. I hate Yeah. I, that shit drives me crazy. Um, yeah. I, um, I, I, Angel didn't break out the duct tape. So I guess I did pretty good over there. Uh, does uh, anybody have anything that they would like to ask Ace before we uh, wrap up the show? Because I, I, I took all the notes that I that I was able to take. So, uh, Angel, do you have? Anything? I was just going to ask, um, what are some of your favorite arguments, or um, I should I shouldn't call them arguments. I should call them debates um, with people in their posts, and you go to debate them. What are some of the topics that you prefer to debate? Oh, this is a great question. Okay, so I always try, so anyone who's familiar with my Twitter will know, I always try to get to the heart of the moral issue in it first. That's where I always try to drag them. Um, I think it's really, really important. It, it's incredibly important in debates not to get dragged down into technical minutia details. Um, and, and not that the details are like uh, not important, but I'm talking about like, it, if someone, if you're debating, if you go in to debate a moral issue, and someone starts pulling out facts and figures from some statistic from 2015, uh, drag them right back. Don't, don't take that bait. Um, because if you take that bait, you're, you're going to lose, not, you're going to lose the, not, not lose the argument in the sense that you won't have the facts to like, you know, prove them wrong, but you're going, you have to keep reiterating the foundational questions, like elementary questions to ask them. You, you know, this is, sounds really weird and bad, but you have to treat them almost like a child. You have to like all make sure they're always like understanding that, okay, that's interesting, not the point, and then drag them right back. So you always have to. So I personally always like to start with the moral issue, right? Um, I, I, I think, you know, um, anarchism is almost like, like to most people, there's so there's ways to frame anarchism in debates where it's like, um, this should be not controversial whatsoever. Right. So one of my favorite, um, so Roderick Long, who's an uh, anarchist theorist, has this great quote that I use all the time, which is that um, anarchism is merely the belief that other people are not your property. And uh, once you put it in those terms, it's like, oh, well, yeah, everyone obviously would say they believe this. Right. Sure. So once you get them there, at least once you get their foot in the door, uh, then you can try to pull them in farther. 
So always try to um, do something, always try to frame anarchism in a way that's not controversial at the start. And then once they accept that, then you can reel them in uh, more and more. So um, that, that's kind of like my debate strategy often. That's a good one. Yeah, that's an excellent strategy. Uh, I almost forgot. I want to give you the opportunity. So we had this uh, poll, which the uh, 14 and a half uh, of the listeners did uh, participate with. And uh, we asked if you could nerf anybody in Grand Theft Auto, okay, put them up against the wall and hit them with a nerf gun. If you wink, wink, nod, nod, you know what I'm talking about. I'll give you an example. Um, I said, Gavriela Princip, because uh, all of this is not possible without that man doing what he did in Sarajevo in 1914. And I had some people say uh, Karl Marx, and I had uh, Ray, who uh, the anarcho-feminist who has been on our show, um, who's a tremendous lady, wonderful woman. Uh, she said Andy Warhol, no context. So that was great. I, I, yeah, it's a good one. I thought so. <laughs> I, I got a lot of laughs at that one. It was great. Um, but uh, somebody said Hitler, and of course, I make the argument, well, there is no Hitler without Gabriella Princip or whatever. So if you have the opportunity, Ace, I'm going to put you on the spot. One person in Grand Theft Auto, you could put up against the wall and get him with the Nerf gun. Who's yeah. going to be? Oh, God. Um, oh, hold on. This is a good question. I, I, I'm going to give an answer, and then like 20 minutes after I get done with the call, I'm going to be like, damn, I should have said something else. Uh <laughs> Oh, that's a good one. That's a good question. I, I'm trying to think because it's like, okay, if you theoretically did this in uh, like GTA on against the wall, Nerf gun against like someone in history and you have to think, okay, well, without them, then we don't get X, Y, or Z after them. So, you know, we have to calculate all these things. Um, hmm. Maybe anybody in history. It doesn't have to be um, yeah. somebody political. It, it, you know, it could be anybody. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Hmm. That makes it harder, actually. Now, <laughs> right? They oh. uh, they only have to be despicable. That's that's the only requirement. Right, right. Um, mm. I picked a serial killer from Colombia. Okay. I think I'm gonna go uh, with my old classic, Woodrow Wilson. God damn, that's a good one. <laughs> that's a good one. Woodrow Wilson is he ruined the world. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Speaking. Yeah. Which, speaking of which, ladies and gentlemen, I do have a book recommendation. I'm listening to it right now. It's by Arthur Herman, and it's oh, called yeah. 1917, talking about the two devils that came out of the First World War, which was Vladimir Ilyich Ulyanov, which, by the way, the Germans literally shipped from uh, Zurich all the way to the Finnish border with uh, Imperial Russia and snuck him in to Russia to get Russia out of the war by overthrowing the Kerensky government. Yeah. So once again, thank you very much, uh, the Kaiser's government, for completely fucking up the universe thereafter. <laughs> of course, for Woodrow Wilson, who literally is the fucking devil. Yeah, World War One does not get enough coverage and hate for like how it ruined everything. Like, it, it's it, like it's been my obsession for like a long time but it's like this war ruined the world yeah. it, it was just the, I, I think a lot of people get hyper focused on world war ii just yeah it overshadows hitler, it but like and, without world war one hitler would have never did what he did like right like world war one yeah. is is the genesis of, of, of yeah i mean the the, the treaty result. of versailles just like fucked over the german people <laughs> to such an extent 
that it's like, yeah, they're starving to death. And here comes some guy who's like, I'm going to save you. And it's like, from their perspective, yeah, this is very rational, right? It's like, I'm hungry. Uh, I'm being considered true. And I know people are going to say, oh, well, he's defending Hitler. No, no, I'm not defending Hitler. But, I, you know, from, from the perspective of a starving German, it's very rational to say when some guy comes and says, hey, I'm going to save you. And it's like, okay, why not? Yeah, I like snacks, so let's eat. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's uh, that's the simplification that i was looking for angel thank you very much i like You're snacks welcome. let's fucking eat <laughs> yeah yeah i like you are snacks. um you are preaching to the choir because oh. I, I i'm telling you man like you said the treaty of versailles and of course christopher starts fucking cackling over there <laughs> truly because he knows that that shit drives me fucking uh. insane like mm -hmm. a crazy person because yeah people don't realize how much like think about this this is 2021 okay so not that long ago you had austria hungary you had the german empire you had the french empire the british empire and the ottoman empire well there is no fucking ottoman empire anymore austria hungary doesn't exist and of course the german empire was liquidated but then you have this and i know people yeah without world war one you're, there's no World War Two because World War One is number one, and you need a World War One. <laughs> no, no, no. That's not what we're saying. But what we're saying here is this: like, for example, just think about this. The Allies wanted to uh, to take all the colonies away. Uh, you know, to, to, to I guess was it self determination was a huge theme that came out of it. Like, oh, we want small nations to determine their own destiny. Yeah, except for fucking Vietnam, except for India, except. Yeah. All of the possessions of the British and French Empire, those motherfuckers better stay in line. But yeah. ain't shit that Germany had, like Tanzania, East Africa, you're giving that shit up right now. Like, I yeah. mean, it's, it's fuck. And then, of and course. They, and how they drew the maps after the war. Like, mm -hmm. it's just like, it screwed up everything. Like, yeah. the geopolitical mess in the Middle East. You know, you could say there's a lot of reasons for it, but World War One is actually one of the big, you know, a, a legitimate starting point for the entire Middle East catastrophe. Right. You had uh, a bunch of assholes that didn't psych, understand uh, the region drawing yeah. up the borders. Well, a lot of a lot of them were promised a state if they helped ally, right? Uh, and uh, with uh, England or, or Britain at the time. Yep. Um, and, and like they, Britain promised them, hey, we're going to give you guys a state your own state if you help us overthrow uh, these guys right and yep. there was the Sykes-Pico agreement and yep. they say all right here's the line and then after the war they're like oh yeah nope we're not doing that screw you yeah exactly and then and then they redrew the lines and then a bunch of people right. got screwed and then yeah well think about this ladies and gentlemen uh Iraq where we spent mm -hmm. not we but the United States government has spent a lot of time hanging out in and doing certain things that we don't agree with uh, there is no fucking Iraq. It was always something that Persia controlled. Okay. Yeah. Persia. And now there was an ebb and flow. Of course, the Assyrians controlled it for a long time in the extremely old world. And then Babylonia, this, that, and the other. But it was mostly Persia. Yeah, I guess if you want to consider in a contemporary scope, it was the Persians that controlled that. And then inside that, you have Shia uh, Muslims, you have uh, Sunni Muslims, you have this, this huge diversity. And then here comes Sykes-Picot and they're like, they're like, right, we're going to divide this the way we want to. Yeah, but what about all these different uh, groups here? No, fuck them. We're dividing yeah. this way. You know, right. Unbelievable. And people don't appreciate that. I've been taught. Like, I, I am the boomer yelling into the void when it comes to world. Right. 
one because nobody like everybody overlooks it and the other thing too in world war ii it does it's slightly more defined as far as what you would what the average person would consider good and evil even though the united states of america wasn't exactly as pristine as people like to think because you know look at the way african americans were treated okay and then of course the united states is allied to the soviet union who if we're going by body count definitely beats hitler in the murder olympics yeah Oh, I'm sorry to you know remind people that, but in World War One, those lines are extremely blurry. Extreme, oh, yeah. You know, I mean, it was it was like World War One was the shit show of shit shows, right? It was just a catastrophe of ungodly proportion. Agreed, agreed. So if anybody's interested, check out that book. It's on Audible. If you're into audiobooks, I do it on my commute to work. So check it out. Um, Christopher, do you have anything to add before we turn it over to Ace and finish up? uh nope but uh thanks for coming back on again oh absolutely it's, it's thank always you guys. A, always a pleasure hearing you talk man you're always intelligent logical well-spoken and thank you oh well, no thank you guys i I'm, i really appreciate that and genuinely like i love being on this show so thank you guys so much now that's a fucking compliment man thank you very much um ace can you please plug everything and anything that you have yeah um i, I there was something earlier i forgot to mention um um <laughs> I, and I think there's uh, so go, if we could circle back for just a second, um, oftentimes this is one thing I, I've noticed more recently, kind of that people will talk about how um, and, and I understand why. Right. There's a very intuitive thing to um, uh, people when, when you talk about anarchism, people assume when you're talking about anarchism that you're talking about an anarchist society. And I think it's really important to distinguish that those are not always the same thing. Right. So if I'm talking like. Um, if I'm talking about anarchism, I'm merely talking about the belief that each person is their own sovereign, right? That That's ultimately what I mean by an anarchist. Uh, so an anarchist society is kind of like that extrapolated out into social functions, right? So like an anarchist society would be a society where it is not legal to treat another person as your property, essentially, in, in some whatever manner that manifests. Um so I, I, whenever like I, people will talk about how well, anarchism, anarchism is impossible. It's like, no, we don't have an anarchist society, but we engage in anarchism every day, right? Uh, we're engaging in anarchism right now. You uh, and the person, you in the sense that you of the person I'm talking to, you have engaged in anarchism at at least some point in your life, or else you probably wouldn't be alive right now. Uh, so you have done it. Um, and you do it probably every day. Now that shouldn't be taken to mean that I think that, well, everyone is an anarchist. That's that some people like a couple of days ago for straw manning my point that I was making and trying to assume that I was trying to say that the world is like everyone in the world is an anarchist. It's like, no, I'm just saying that whether they know it or not, they're engaging in anarchist interactions and, and that's all. Um, so anarchism uh, makes the world go around in some sense because it does, it's like, it is the emergent order that people naturally just create when they when they act, when they act peacefully. I think that's an excellent point, and uh, you know. I- once again, like straw manning, it's people. I, I think it's another example of people just want to be right. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't want to get it right; they want to be right. Sure, mm-hmm. that's that's a huge problem that we have. I mean, there's no ba- there's no need to, con- to continue on further conversation at some point in time. It's like, listen, you're just trying to be right as opposed right. to trying to get it right. I think there's a, a huge difference between those two things, obviously. So, um, I appreciate that. Um, lab- um, Go ahead. Sorry. I had one person, it was the same person actually who was like straw man, but, but he was talking about how, how anarchism was impossible because it's based on consent and you can't consent 
to natural forces. Is that so? What? what so, is, so, so like, like, like the you, yeah, like, well, and, and like, you can't consent to like um, going to sleep because there are involuntary functions in your body. And because of this, this means anarchism is impossible. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> you know what? He wins. <laughs> yeah, you know, you're right, but you, you know, you, you win. That's it. That's, that's the ultimate argument against anarchism. He did it. He cracked the code. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow. my god it's it's it really is a shit show out there oh my god but you could actually take like if you're gonna go down this argument you could take a bunch of methamphetamine and not go to sleep right you know, i was thinking the same thing that you know like crystal but then totally then negates see, that argument <laughs> if you but then to see they would ultimately come back and say well you die of old age and you don't consent to that so anarchism yeah. is impossible. <laughs> That's a new one for me. I don't think I've quite. Yeah, it was a new one for me too. Yeah, it was uh, very innovative in the field. Checkmate <laughs> anarchism. Yeah, checkmate <laughs> Fucking galaxy brains out there. Yeah. <laughs> waterhead. Tremendous waterhead. <laughs> oh. That's beautiful. Um, well, thank yeah, you great. once again for uh, a uh, link. Yeah. I, I, we do appreciate it. Uh, is there anything uh, that you, you want to plug, anything that you're up to? I know the Slurp Gang, uh, give us everything so that people can who haven't found you, and they fucking should have, but if they haven't yet, they can find you now. Sure. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Ace underscore Arcist, and uh, I am a co-host of the Slurp Gang podcast, which is bad, and you shouldn't listen to it, and I apologize if you do. <laughs> it, it, uh, it's not bad, ladies and gentlemen. Um, it's not it's not political so if you expect me to be political like how i was on this show you're not going to get that on surf game it's a different <laughs> side of you altogether, which i yeah. think is nice i mean you know if you do this all the time i mean we might have to mail you the duct tape i mean you're right right yeah <laughs> Jesus. um well thank you guys so much for inviting me on this has been a pleasure Oh man, it, the pleasure's all ours. I, I, I sincerely, uh, I, I fucking love Ace. I think he's awesome. I think he's thank probably you. one of the smartest people that I've ever uh, engaged with. Oh, thank you. Yeah, truly. And the most patient. I, oh, Christ. I can't mm -hmm. even begin. If I had his patience, I, I mean, sincerely, I, I don't know how much I could accomplish because all it takes is one fucking car ride to put me over the falls. This man is arguing with literal morons all day trying <laughs> to convince them of logic and reason and they're just like uh, uh government's good what can yeah uh, you know it's just it's who's gonna build the roads <laughs> right <laughs> it's always the roads it's the greatest accomplishment we've ever had but yeah. they're all rich all of right. them. the apex of society uh, hey you see that walmart parking lot over there how'd that get there hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You didn't, you didn't build that. You didn't build that. Somebody else made that happen. I think a, a former president said that. I'm not. Yeah, sure. yeah. Um, named Barack Obama, actually. But um, <laughs> uh, before we wrap up, I just want to give a shout out to our sponsors, I Paint Akron, where all accidents are happy accidents. Ray Faba, uh, art from the Great Lakes. You can check her out at rayfaba.com. And of course, Team Mandalore, who keeps cycling very weird. We're very proud of those sponsors, but it has come time, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Thanksgiving is upon us. I don't know if you guys have ever been to a turkey farm. I certainly have. A lot of disgusting smells come from turkey farms. The turkeys are shitting everywhere. They're getting slaughtered so they can end up on your table. Um, remember last year 
when we were all had those um, those uh, memes about, uh, you know, you're hiding a family of six under your floorboards because, you know, they're telling us how many people to have over for Thanksgiving, which none of us listen to because fuck you. I do what I want. Um, and it's Thanksgiving. Well, Thanksgiving is here now. We're, we're, we're going to be having it here pretty soon. And, uh, you know, I don't want your ass to smell like a turkey farm. I don't want it to be disgusting. I don't want you to be sitting at the table, not to mention Hanukkah's coming up on the 29th. Uh, <laughs> I don't want you to be sitting next to your uh, grandma Henrietta while you're lighting the candles and saying the prayers and she gets a whiff of your swamp ass. So, but I'm here to help with Todd's Gay Soap from Akron Apothecary, which can clean your ass nice and clean for all of the holidays. If you celebrate Kwanzaa, whatever the fuck it is you do, Todd's Gay Soap can clean your ass <laughs> perfectly. You'll be in holiday festive moods because you'll be sitting next to that special someone or your grandma or your cousin or whoever the fuck it is that you're hanging out with and smell nice and clean because Todd's Gay Soap is soap for that ass. Indeed it is soap for that ass. Ladies and gentlemen, I can't thank Ace enough. He is a fresh air. I love the man. I, I like I I try to keep up with him all fucking day long, following along this shit. And I just thought I literally will say out loud while I'm looking at it on my loading dock, and I'm like, I don't fucking know how he does this. Um, <laughs> so, Ace, you are welcome here anytime. We love. Oh, thank you guys so much. Best. Yeah. Thank you very much, man. Take care of yourself. Yeah. We will talk to you soon. Thank you. Thank you guys. Okay. Bye. All right. Bye, everybody. <laughs>